Welcome to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in Australian small business. In each candid conversation with a small business owner, we'll explore the messy back end of business with heaps of golden wisdom to help you learn, grow and live your truth. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Time, capacity, energy. If these are areas in which you want to do better, you'll enjoy this chat with Holly Barak, capacity advocate and time management specialist. No stranger to chronic pain and disease, Holly is a wise asset for small business owners and brilliant at reminding you that rest is productive. You're a capacity advocate and time management specialist, Holly, after switching niches as a VA. What does that involve? So a capacity advocate is something that I actually came up with on my own, but also with the help of Niala King, um, who is a fantastic communications expert. She is a Canadian based in Scotland. And during hard lockdown, I was actually uh, enrolled in a beta program of hers. The name slipped into my mind. Um, And we came up with the title Capacity Advocate because at the end of the day, what I'm doing is I'm helping people understand that they don't have to do everything all the time at the same time um, and that their capacity ebbs and flows throughout the day, throughout the week, month, year, et cetera. So um, whilst I still actually do some um, typical VA work, I'm primarily in the um, time management capacity advocacy um, space and I just love it because people just we're embroiled in this hustle culture and I use the term wear very loosely uh, so people think that they have to be switched on the entire time but you don't you really don't no we don't but it's a trap and it's a habit actually I think it's like yeah. oh I'll just check my phone while I'm cutting stuff for dinner, I'll just check who's emailed me, who needs me. And I think also we treat like our phones as like a summons. You hear it beep and you go running and check it when actually uh-uh, you're in control. And I think it's helpful for us to be more mindful and like, no, I'll check those messages or answer the calls or whatever when I am actually ready. For exactly. That. Absolutely. I uh, don't actually have notifications on on my phone. Um, I have certain notifications that come through. So I have calendar appointments. uh, I have text messages. I have WhatsApp um, and the Vic Emergency app so that if there's any emergencies um, that I can respond to those. But I don't have email. Oh, no, sorry. And I also have emails turned on for certain accounts, but I don't have my work email turned on at all. I don't have any notifications and I don't actually have the Gmail app um, for my work emails on any of my home screens, I have to actually click in. So like I go into my personal email, then click on my profile, switch the profile and do it that way. And so I have to check everything manually so that I am not permanently going, oh my gosh, I've got this to answer to and that to answer to. I don't have any social media notifications on nothing. It's ironic, you know, in this era of automation and then we're switching back to doing things manually. But you must have so much self-control to do that and to to turn those notifications off and to make it hard to get to your emails if you want to check them on your phone. I think for me it's also um, not a case of self-control, but I'm neurodivergent and having all of those notifications pop up at me make me think, oh, my God, I need to action this straight away and if I don't then I'm going to be letting all these people down but in reality 
if I answer them right away, I'm letting myself down because I'm not giving myself the capacity to do what it is that I need to do. So um, for instance, in my email signature um, from my desktop, not necessarily from my phone, um, I actually have, you know, that I am only at my desk on certain days that, or I think I've even changed it to now that it says, I will get back to you when I can. Don't expect an email pronto. Um, And I think that that's something that people need to think about too, is that maybe addressing that in their email signature so that people can have an idea of when to expect a reply as opposed to just thinking, okay, well, it's the the day and age of the internet and being connected, you know, 24-7. I need to respect these people's boundaries, um, but also respecting their own boundaries too and not because I think that when you're expecting a reply from somebody instantly, you're stuck in that mode of, okay, Rachel's emailed me. I'm emailed Rachel back. She's going to email me back. And so you're just stuck in this to and fro rather than like, okay, that's off my task list or whatever. That's cleared my plate. I can now move on to the next thing. Hmm. And I think also we don't need to reply to every single email. Like, yes, be polite, but even the ones that say thanks and then start another thing, it's like just it's done. I've said what I need. Um, I've given my gratitude. That's done. Let's move on. Yes. Yes, that's it. That is exactly right. And I think that also comes from probably days of, you know, people being in um, retail and corporate worlds as well. Um, And for anybody who's listening and they're not um, a, a small business owner, you can, you still have the control and the capacity about replying to a friend's text or email or whatever it is. Um, when it works for you, it doesn't just apply to business matters. That's right. Uh, so we met on Instagram, I think years ago and have an affinity for, I think like our values, ethics, Judaism, the way we do business. Um, and over the years, I've watched you, Holly, share some of your struggles with energy, fatigue, being unwell. Um, would you be? Would you share some of what's been happening for you health-wise? Absolutely. That kind yeah. of defines why you're where you are now and how you do things, right? That's exactly right. So um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I am Holly and I live in Melbourne, in Victoria. So Australians and and probably people all over the world would know that um, Melbourne actually experienced some really um, harsh lockdowns during COVID. Um, And that's actually when I really started to notice my health decline. But I want to um, preface that with it wasn't a result of COVID and being in the lockdowns. It was just a case of my body was starting to decline. Now, I'm 39 years old. So in 2020, I was 35, 36. um, And I noticed that my period was something had gone wrong. And I sort of thought, okay, well, not gone wrong, but it had changed. My body was always like clockwork. Um, You know, I would bleed for three days and then I'd be done kind of thing. Um, And I noticed that things were um, becoming a lot longer with the bleeds. that my fatigue levels were just through the roof. Um, And then it was actually in August, 2020, I ended up going to hospital in an ambulance. Um, I thought I was having a heart attack. I'd call, I had my 
um, Fitbit on and it said that, you know, my heart rate was like 110, 120, something like that. Um, and um, like, you know, I had the tingling in my arm. I had the pain in my chest. I was very short of breath. Walking was difficult. Like I'm, I'm talking like maybe a 15, 20 meter walk, even walking around the house was difficult. Um, so, you know, we took our daughter to childcare because my husband was actually an essential worker. So he, um, you know, we, we, we qualified for her to continue her normal routine. Um, anyway, went to hospital, they couldn't find anything. They told me I needed to lose weight. And I was so annoyed because I knew that this was not weight related. Um, anyway, fast forward um, to 2021 and I had a DNC for a thickened endometrium, which is the lining in your uterus. Um, I was precancerous. Um, thankfully, it came back as benign. Um, and I also didn't have endometriosis, which was really great. But the thing is, nothing was improving. Um, so I got a new gynecologist, um, you know, and I was I was dealing, obviously still in lockdown in 2021. Um, I had a five-year-old child who was in the beginnings of an ADHD and autism diagnosis. Uh, you know, so there's all of that going on. And then in September 2021, I was diagnosed with OCD, anxiety and depression, um, with OCD being my primary um, diagnosis. So there's all of that going on. I started medication and I almost like it was almost instant. It wasn't even a placebo. Like I'd just been running on empty for so long that this, you know, the medication just worked straight away. Like I would notice it within a week. Um Anyway, so I was still not great. Um, started seeing the new gynecologist for, um, you know, further exploration, um, A, of endometriosis and B, anything else. Um, but then I, I've been so, I got so sick that I couldn't continue to see her. And that was because I was losing so much blood um, that I just didn't have the energy in me. So in 2022, um, I was basically just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and then by the, oh, and sorry, and then in um, the, at the end of 2021, I got diagnosed with IBS. So that kind of ruled out, um, well, it didn't quite rule out endometriosis, but it connected a lot of dots about, um, uh, sorry to talk about this, but about my bowel movements. And because this is the thing with endometriosis um, and other um, uterine problems is that you can actually have bowel movements that are very similar to IBS. So it's sort of like, what the heck is going on? So, you know, we had to do all of these things. I had a gastroscopy and an end, um, uh, endoscopy, um, you know, a col sorry, colonoscopy, not an endoscopy. Um, and then, um, you know, so that that confirmed 100% that I had IBS. So then we were like, right, okay, so it's def my problems are definitely gynecological. Um, and then it was oh, the beginning of 2023. So I got all through 2022, just as I said, putting one foot in front of the other, um, got our daughter's um, autism diagnosis towards the later end of the year. So, you know, that also was a weight off of our shoulders because that meant that we meant that we could then get the, the support that she needed and it wasn't just falling on us. Um, but I still wasn't getting better. Anyway, um, February 2023, I collapsed at home. 
I had um, like a, a brief collapse. Um, I'd been sick for a few weeks um, and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting any better. And it turns out that um, <laughs> my red blood cell count was 78. And so for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that I was only like, I don't know how it's measured, whether it's units, whatever it is, but basically for anybody who requires a blood transfusion, their red blood cells need to be a count of 70 or less. So a standard um, count, I think, is around 140, 150. Um, and I was like less than half, basically, um, or not, sorry, not less than half. I was at about half. Um, and so, you know, that solidified that there was definitely something wrong with me um, and that it was likely that my periods were the issue. Um, so my GP got an emergency appointment with my gynecologist um, because, you know, usually there's huge wait times for specialists and she thought that, you know, like and when I'm what I'm about to say, um, I'm not putting down my gynecologist at all, but she thought, oh yeah, you know, emergency, it's probably not really an emergency. And then she saw just how dire it was and she slotted me in like I saw her within a week. Um and so then I had to have more blood tests and things like that just to confirm everything. Uh and then um I think I can't remember when it was, but um only if sort of a matter of a few weeks later, she called me and she's like, right, this is my availability. We, oh no, that's right. Sorry. And then she sent me for a scan. Um, I had to go to um, a gynecological, um, uh, the people who do the scans, like ultrasounds and stuff. Anyway, she was actually a gynecologist who specializes in scans because I needed to do an internal scan. And it turned out that I had a fibroid, which is a muscle mass um, in my uterus that was um, roughly eight to 10 centimeters, um, in diameter. So it's about a, a, a large grapefruit. So, um, and which is the equivalent of basically a 10 week fetus. So I had that in my uterus and that is what was causing the bleeds. Um, once that had, had been confirmed, that was when my gynecologist said, okay, you need, um, the, these are our options, but you know, I'll talk to you about what I recommend. And the recommendation was a total uh, hysterectomy. So I had that in May. Um, my ovaries remained intact because um, that is a separate procedure. So I had my fallopian tubes, the um, the uterus and my cervix removed. It was all done laparoscopically, thankfully. Um, it was a nearly three-hour surgery. Um, which my gynecologist wasn't expecting, um, but it's, I believe, stopped the issues. Um, I still need to go and get my irons che iron level checked to see how they are. Um, but even at the time of surgery, even though I'd had the iron infusion in hospital in February, um, after two periods, um, they had crashed back down to four after getting up to where they needed to be. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, like I haven't had my bloods tested because I have actually still been sick, um, whether it's a cold or somebody in our household has been sick. So it's actually not ideal to get the bloods tested then because they're not going to be 100%. Um, yeah, so that 
is my health story. And that is why I do what I do. Sorry, it's it's a long, but, you know, that's also the condensed version. Um, it, It's long, but if I hadn't have pursued this, goodness knows where I would be. Um, And, you know, and now I'm able to advocate for other people who are chronically ill, um, who have, um, you know, who are neurodivergent as well. Um, And, but also um, neurotypicals, you know, it's not just neurodivergence and and the chronically ill, It's, it's everybody. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves and advocating for ourselves, that's when everything really starts to decline. Big load to carry. Oh, I mean, all of you, Holly. Yeah, thank <laughs> that's you. That's a hell yeah, of no. a lot of stuff to be going through and just one after the other and not getting answers and knowing like it, that in your gut, this is not what you're telling me is not right. And just to keep pushing and pushing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, so it's you know it's 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 taken three years, and um, you know I'm I'm glad that I'm where I am, um, because now it's giving me the capacity to actually pursue um, other health related matters and other mental health things. So, um, you know, after um, our daughter's diagnosis of autism last year, it's actually made me realize, oh, hang on a second. I'm pretty sure that I am autistic. Um, so now I'm, you know, trying to save up for that. And that's actually a common thing is that when children get diagnosed that the parents often realize, oh, hang on a second. Um, that was me. And the other thing is, is that obviously I'm a girl, I'm a woman, but as a girl, you know, I had these great masking, um, strategies and coping mechanisms, so when my brother, who was very typically ADD, got diagnosed, everything for me was missed. So, um, and then OCD, anxiety, and depression are oftenly, um, are oftenly, are often missed. I love commonly. that word. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, oftenly. Yes. yes, yes, we should. <laughs> Two word words. Let's do it. <laughs> Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> let's put that in. Um, uh, so OCD, anxiety, and depression are often miscommonly diagnosed mm. um, as opposed to autism. So, you know, like um, everything that my daughter, you know, sort of like I, I watch her more intently and it's just like, oh, yeah, I did that when I was little. I did that. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's it's like looking in a mirror. Yes. Oh, well, hopefully you get clarity on that and then you can also seek the support you need. And I imagine should you get the diagnosis that you you expect you will, that things might fall into place and you'll just have, I don't know, I haven't gone through that, um, but your sense of who you are will yeah. just be clearer, I imagine. Yes, yeah, that's it. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So, you know, hopefully 2024 will, <clears throat> excuse me, hold, um, hold more for that journey so yes yes so how has all of this defined the way you do business because you started as a VA and now you've niched down to this and I imagine it's because of your own experience and your need to protect your energy and to be like hyper um, conscious about how you spend your days and your time so absolutely yeah yeah um so yes you're absolutely right this has 
um, all of my health issues and, you know, the need to be there for my daughter um, has fundamentally shaped the way I do business. So I love planning and organization and I do have like, you know, I've got a planner to my right, I've got a planner to my left, and then I have a planner right next to my um, computer screen so that I know what's going on at all times. But it's basically about waking up during the day and thinking and and assessing how I'm feeling. Um, you know, a lot of people would be aware of um like the spoons um that in energy. So that like a lot of people who are chronically ill um would refer to themselves as a spoonie and that they've like got let's say 12 spoons of energy for a day. And you kind of it's like a, a bank and you're like, okay, well, if it's a really bad day, it might take six spoons just to get out of bed and shower or not shower at all. And so you use each spoon, um, you know, so let, let's say that it's, it's two hours of um, time for a, a day. Let's say that one spoon equals two hours and then you've got 12 of them, that's 24 hours. So I wake up, I assess how I'm feeling, I see how my daughter's feeling if she's had a wake up at two o'clock in the morning, like she does sometimes, because this is something that's inherent with autism is that your sleep is kind of rotten at times. Um, she will wake up at two o'clock for the day and will be awake until, you know, seven o'clock that night. Sometimes she will nap. Sometimes she won't. Um, but it's really, it, it's a balancing act. Like I know that that sounds really simple, but it's about being in tune with your body. It's about knowing what my daughter needs. Um, it's about being in tune with my mind as well. And I'm not going to say sit here and say that all of my plans go along flawlessly because they absolutely don't. I can have things planned and then go, oh, you know what? I'm really not up to this today. I need to just be on the couch. And so I do, I go and be on the couch and I will listen, um, uh, sorry, I'll watch Netflix or whatever, or I will sleep. Sometimes if I can, I will try and do things um, from the couch. Like if it's something that can be done from my phone. Um, so maybe emails, maybe a little bit of social media, but mostly if I can't, if I'm, if I'm on the couch, I'm on the couch, I'm not here for work. So yeah, it's just a day by day case um and recognizing that the symptoms will sometimes come on suddenly and when they do you just drop everything and you go and just be where you need to be yes so how about like protecting your energy is that about understanding the spoons and how many it's going to take for particular tasks per day is that what yeah absolutely it is. is yeah um and and also just um, like the types of tasks that you're doing as well. So um, not just the length of time. So for instance, if I've got something that I know that isn't going to be too taxing, I can do more of it more often. Um, but yeah, it's just like, for instance, if I've got client work, um, I will pace myself a lot more than if it's my own work um, because, you know, client work is 
while my own work is deliverables for myself, client work, there is that expectation of it being done by a certain time frame. Um, but then also my clients are very respectful of my energy as well. So I'm hoping that's answered your question. I'm yeah, it <laughs> um, does, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I I know. I suppose protecting your energy is different for every person because we all function differently and have, I guess, different things that pour different amounts in the like that tolerance cup, which is probably another another way yes. of looking almost at this the spoons. Like for me, I know my limits, and so I've got boundaries that I usually stick to, um, particularly with how much I work. So I know that when I don't like basically listen to myself and understand my limits the fallout is just too great and it flows onto my family so like I work Monday Tuesday Wednesday in between school hours only which for as you would know anyone who works from home knows that doesn't mean six hours straight off just just typing at the computer you're hanging out watching you're talking to you know maybe your husband's home or yeah it's yeah um so I don't get a lot of dedicated like pure time to work but when I push myself and I um try and work beyond that, I get migraines. And it's just, you know, concentrating too much, peopling, um, creating ideas, being in front of a computer. Um, And then if I get a migraine, I can't function, then I'm out of action. I'm in a dark room. I can't do any of the things I need to do as a mother or as a wife. So, yeah, I suppose um, for me that's been a lesson, you know, just think about what I can handle, what pushing myself is, and what happens when I go beyond that. Um, does absolutely. that sound right in terms of what yes. you've learned about protecting energy? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It does. Um, you know, it's for me, uh, I'm just trying to think what happens to me. So obviously my fatigue is is a very big thing for me. I'm I um I do get migraines, but mostly from dehydration. So I try and, you know, make sure that my water intake is okay and I limit the salty foods that I have. Um but you know, like sitting in a chair for me. Oh, and so it's just I also have to be mindful of sitting because I have an old back injury. Um, you know, so like there's just you know uh, we're twenty minutes into this conversation or whatever it is, and you know there's this um big injury that I have that it's so second nature to me that it's taken me twenty minutes to go. Oh yeah, I actually can't really sit that long either. So you know I need to be up and down, and um I don't. Well, I don't have um an adjustable desk. Um, I, you know, do have, um, I can raise my monitor slightly and stand up and things like that. So yeah, it's, yeah, there's so many different facets, um, and so many different layers of how I need to protect my energy. It's just, I just, I do it so, um, so frequently and so often that, it's just because, as I said, it's become second nature and I forget that it's not the same for everybody else. Yes. Well, if you need to stand up, feel free. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm okay at the um, moment. So, okay. Um, I struggle with the idea of rest as being productive. Um, I think it's it's partly because I come from a family of World War II immigrants and I grew yeah. up on the belief that hard work is good, rest is not important. So how can you, I know you're an advocate also for, that's the word for you, advocate. Yes. Um, I know that um, you advocate for the the concept of rest being okay, being, it's not a reward, it's it's essential. So how can we reframe that idea for other people who like me struggle to think of sitting down and reading a book as uh, not a good use of your time? Yeah. So um, 
it's similar stories. Um, just for for your listeners, um, I um, I'm married to somebody who is um, descendant of um, Polish Jews um, who survived the war. Um, my grandfather is British. Um, but he was a child during the London bombing. So, you know, we do have that connection there as well. Um, and I come from a very working class family. So for me, it was always, you know, rest is not something that we do. You know, we always work hard. You know, um, if you get offered extra shifts at work, you take them, you know, because, you know, money, you know, reputation, et cetera. Yeah. But what I've learned is that, sitting down and reading a book is it's I'm, I'm going to say it's restorative. So it's like you're sitting down to plug your phone in when you're sitting down to read a book or to color. You can't, you can't use your phone when the battery is empty and you can't use yourself when your battery is empty. So um, for me, yeah, reading a book um, and I learned, uh, not that I learned this, like I've always loved reading, but um, Tash Guthrie said this um, a few years ago, you know, just find 15 minutes in your day to sit down and read a book. And when I started doing that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I miss reading. And I think what it was that made me um, stop reading was because I went to uni and you have to read all these textbooks. And even though it was something that interested me so much, it's just like, oh, it's forced reading. And it's so like, it takes away that, that real deep connection with yourself and connecting with literature. Um, so, you know, um, when I'm really unwell, I do find it difficult to read. Um, and when my iron levels are particularly low, um, I, I find it difficult to struggle on the words on the page um, and I need to read physical books. I can't read ebooks, um, and I also can't listen to audio books either. I'm very much a visual person and need that tangible physical book. Um, and so, yeah, so think of it as rest. You're the phone. Rest is your charger. You're plugging into the outlet. You are connecting with the electricity supply that you need to function, whether that is going for a walk, whether it's going for a swim, reading a book, it could even be sitting down and watching something on TV. Um, it could be going for a dance, you know, whatever it is that takes you away from the day-to-day, -day, and I'm going to say grind, um, you know, the thing that you are doing for money, um, or do you know what, even not money, because for the parents out there and the carers, that is damn tiring too, you know, like you just, you spend the first, let's say 20, 25 years of being you and discovering who you are. And then you assimilate and assume this other person, this other persona, percent personality, whatever it is that you want to have, um, call it, and you kind of lose who you are. So we're finding ourselves again once the kids get old enough or, you know, move out of home, whatever. Um, and I think that rest also comes back to that as well is rediscovering yourself and connecting with what you love. So it's not just a case of, you know, going to sleep. It's, it's disconnecting from the nine to five. Disconnecting, I think, from the things that take energy from you. Yes. 
Yeah. So <laughs> which might well yeah. be your children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. Love her, love her dearly. And I'm sure you love your three too. But yes, it's disconnecting from the things that take your energy and you're reconnecting with yourself and recharging yourself. Mm. Yeah. It's something I'm always learning. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's, look, I'm I'm not perfect. Um, God, I'm not perfect at all. But like, I will find myself, you know, I'll get so focused on doing something and then I'm like, oh crap, why am I so tired? Oh, that's because A, I haven't eaten or B, I haven't taken any time for myself today or, you know, and yeah. And so I have to snap myself out of it too and go, practice what you preach, you know, like don't just, <laughs> don't just yes. put it out there and not actually do it. <laughs> do you, with your like client work, do you teach them to like to rest and to do things away from work? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, so both with my, um, so my creative assistant client, so I call my VA work creative assistant so that I'm not bogged down by like emails and stuff because I don't do that um but then also with my mentoring client as well I'm like you know schedule in your downtime schedule in time to read a book until you it becomes second nature if you know I and something else that I also say to them is you know think back to when you're in high school and everything was defined by a bell you know it's actually okay to apply that to your work life as well for, you know, people that are self-employed because otherwise you do kind of get distracted by everything. Um, so, you know, it is okay to to make yourself a schedule because then you can actually go, okay, well, I only want to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. For me, I work Tuesday um, through Friday. Sometimes I work Mondays. It just depends on my daughter's specialist appointments. So, yeah, it just, it, it, it's about flexible structure um, and and teaching them flexible structure and to not be hard on themselves, um, but to also understand that it's okay that if they do need to work in the evening or if they want to work, because sometimes it's a case of, oh, I've got this really good idea. And if I don't either note it down or start on it, I'm going to forget it. You know, it's me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Same, same. Um, You know, so I actually, a lot of people say, you know, don't sleep with your phone by your bed, but sometimes I need to, because I'll be, I'll get a really great idea and I will want as I'm drifting off to sleep or in the middle of the night or something. And I really do want to put it down somewhere without getting out of bed, coming to my desk, you know, turning on lights, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to be able to quickly pop it into my notes and then go back to sleep. I'm sure that it happens to you, like it does to me at those times when you're just just on the cusp of deep sleep or when you lie down. I'm sure it happens then because that's when your brain can just go wherever it wants. It can just yeah. wander and you're not on a screen or needed or not. there are not pings summons into your, you to your phone. There are not children or, you know, you're just free. And I think that's yep. when those ideas can float to the surface. And then you're like, Absolutely. I'll grab that one and I write it down. I've got a notebook and a pen next to my bed because um, yep. I don't have my phone in my room and that works for me to write notes down and then I'm, yeah. I just get in the morning and then I action it. But the hell says action it? <laughs> <laughs> you do, just, yeah. and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so apart from scheduling in time to rest, are there any other, I guess, tips you can give us to increase our capacity in, and it's probably a generalised question because everyone's different and everyone's exactly. business is different, but I, I don't know, are there any pointers for increasing our capacity to 
I guess, work better. It's not necessarily to do more because that's, I think, a dangerous, dangerous territory to think. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a massive slippery slope to be wanting to do more. So this is something that I learned many years ago from um, a course run by Michaela Danvers. Michaela is a graphic designer um, based out of Canva, uh, Canberra, not Canva, (laughs) Canberra. Um, and she learned it from somebody else and I can't remember the original source, but it's focus on three things in your day, one for you, one for the house and one for work. And then if you can get those three things done, awesome. Oh, and then anything else is like a bonus. And then once you've kind of mastered getting those three things done, one in each area, you can layer in extra things for each area. So it might be like, for instance, um, you know, it might take you, let's say um, three, four weeks to start really getting into the habit of doing, um, you know, doing the washing every day and replying to your emails every day. I don't recommend that, but that's if that's what you need to do, then do it. Um, And then something for you might be going for a walk every day. So once you can get those three things ticked off, then you might add in, okay, so I've I've got the laundry happening every day. Maybe I can um, dust every day as well. And then um, for yourself, it might be, you might be going for a walk and you might be reading a book every day. And then for work, it might be, okay, well, I've done that. And now I'm actually going to be posting to social media every day. Again, don't recommend that, but you know, whatever, (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's what works for you. So yeah. So three things, um, business, home and you or work home and you, um, and then layer them in, Um, And again, it's not about achieving more. It's just about managing your capacity and understanding that you are not a machine. Yes. I I treat myself like a machine too often, so I've got a lot to learn from you. Um, Earlier you mentioned that you're neurodiverse and I feel like uh, visibility of neurodivergency, is that a word? Yes, Yes. I believe so. (laughs) The visibility of it is growing along with understanding what it is um, and how it affects neurodivergent people and then making room for those who have it. So I wondered, um, as a neurodivergent business owner, did I just put you in a box? Yeah, I'm no, sorry, no, that's offensive no. to anyone. <laughs> no, um, it's not a box. As it's I say, it's I'm, a box I'm, that I gladly accept and in and I'm like, yes, envelop me in that box because, you know, it is a box that I I, I live in. Yes. Okay. All right. I feel like um, I need to apologize if that's offended anyone, because I think I'm grappling with how to understand this. And I imagine others are too, as, as I said, it's visibility and understanding of it grows. So I was thinking, what kind of things can small business owners do to be accommodating of maybe neurodivergent buyers or like on their website or in the way they do things? Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah. Keep things as simple as possible. Um there's a, a Reddit, a subreddit called explain it like I'm five. So imagine that you're talking to a five-year-old because, um, you know, neuro, uh, neurodiverse people, um, the, the, the word is there, diverse neuro, so diverse brain. So there's so many different um, layers and diagnoses that fall into neurodiv- neurodivergence Um that you want to keep things simple. Um, for me, with my website, um, so because I, I um, like design 
as well quite a lot. So I've actually paired things right back. I've paired my copy back. I've paired my colors back. So for me, um, I actually find um, whilst I love bright colors and things like that, I find that sometimes they're just too much for me to look at. So I've actually taken mine down to a neutral thing. But the other thing that I'm going to be introducing is that I'm going to be introducing a dark mode toggle on my website so that if people are struggling with like the the white um, or, you know, the lighter colors, they can actually go to a dark mode as well. Um, I'm not fully across alt text, but alt text is a major thing for people um, with neurodivergence um, and also obviously um, people who are vision impaired and hearing impaired as well um, because they need to be able to read things. Um, there's like, there's just, the, I, I could go on about this forever. Um, but for me, actually, um, and this is a bit ironic, um, but I'm fairly certain that I have auditory processing disorder. So for me, that means that I have to really listen hard to questions that are being asked, to conversations that are being had, um, because my brain takes just that little bit longer to process it. Um, so for me, having um, like a blog post or um uh, what are they called? Um, transcripts and things for things like podcasts really help me because I actually can't listen to podcasts. It goes in one ear and out the other. Um, I need, to, if I am going to listen to a podcast, I need to be able to pause it, write things down, or, you know, like sort of uh, to, to be able to absorb the message that's being communicated. Um, and the reason I say that is ironic because obviously I'm sitting here talking with you today and I know that I've been sitting here going, okay, Holly, like in my head, you know, okay, right, make sure that you're focusing, make sure that you're listening. Um, but I can also see you I'm, doing that, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's totally okay. This is a space yeah. where you can be you. And that's Thank you. All right. Yes. Um, and also, you know, I used to have a podcast. It's still up on the airs and everything, but um, I stopped recording and stopped interviewing with guests because it was really difficult for me to actually um, to converse with people. Even though I would prepare ahead of time and I would send them the questions and get them to send them back to me, I like this has been great because it's been a natural conversation. But I, like I said, I, it's been difficult. It's been really difficult because I'd be like, "Have I answered that right?" Did I? Yes. Did I, did, yeah. <laughs> You've done it so well. It's, it's beautiful. You. It's perfect and so full of value for anyone who's listening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really hope that your listeners enjoy it. So they will. I know it. Hey, your party trick is saying the alphabet backwards in under yes. six seconds. Yes. My stopwatch is ready. Let's go. Okay. All right. Ready, set, go. Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H E F E D C B A. <laughs> I actually timed awesome. it myself and I can do it under I can do it under four seconds. I didn't realize just how quick I could do it. Wow. So how do you how do you get to figure this out? Like what are you doing <laughs> when you're like, oh actually, I'll try that. <laughs> yeah, so my dad taught me. Um and I learned by the time I was three how to say it backwards. Um and yeah, it's just something that stuck with me. So like I'm I'm 39 now, so let's say that's 36 years of being able to do it. Um I always remember like in the 90s, um, Who Dares Wins with Mike Whitney. 
Um, and they were somewhere in Sydney, like trying to get people to say the alphabet backwards for 50 bucks. And I'm like, oh my God, I can do this with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, yeah. And so just for anybody who's doubting that I actually said any letters, I will repeat it slowly. So Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H G F E D C B A. You can do it. Well done. Yeah, can do it. <laughs> Where can we go to find you online, Holly? So you can find me online at Holly Barrack. So that's um, Holly with an I-E. So um, I'm going to spell it phonetically for you. So it's Hotel Oscar Lima Lima India Echo Barrack Bravo Alpha Romeo Alpha Charlie dot uh, com dot au. Um, same handle for Instagram, for Facebook, for Pinterest. Um, I am not on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, I'm there as well. Um, but I primarily hang out on Instagram. You are so awesome. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Please leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.